podcast called uh, Dub Jellyson Podcast. He probably doesn't remember this at all. Yeah, we work together. It's easy. This is kind of real. I call it shit. And so it's really cool to get to be a part of that. Hey, you know how it is, bro. Hey, when you... You now tune into the biggest ever. We're not here just to take part. We're here to take over. <laughs> I don't remember that. That's crazy. What's up, everyone? We're back with episode 130 of the Dove Jelson Podcast. Today, a very special guest, Mr. Dwayne Beckford. Dwayne, how are you? Uh, I'm good, man. Glad, glad to be here, man. Glad to be on the podcast, dude. Yes, sir. I mean, I've been a fan of yours for, for quite some time now. Um, probably over 10 years at this point, honestly. I don't want to make you feel old. Uh, but obviously, you were <laughs> obviously you were a Boilermaker when I was when I was real little. Um, I know a lot of Purdue fans. Um would be interested in your story. So I'm glad you, you're coming on here to share it and, and give people an update and how you're doing. Yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. Uh, so, I mean, first of all, for people who don't know, um, just talk a little bit about what you're up to out in, out in Arizona, like you mentioned before we hopped on here. Okay, well, I'm really from New Jersey, but I um, newly moved to Arizona. Um, I started a med spa out here. Uh, I got my laser, my laser license, so I could do like um, laser hair removal, tattoo removal. Um, uh, radio frequency body contour. So me, me and my girl, we started like a business out here, and right now we doing that menace spot thing. And uh, we also just started the trucking business. So we got our first box truck, and we trying to get that on the road. Probably at the end of this year coming up, we have it on the road. So just a few little businesses we starting out. That's awesome. That's I was looking through your Instagram, and that that was something that really int- intrigued me. I was like, what the hell is this? And then I I start looking into it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, how'd you find that kind of that passion to do that oh uh, well um i definitely like I, would, I, would, I like to work with people you know i like to be like social with people and um my, my girlfriend she's an esthetician and me and her talked about it she was like well you ever thinking about ever thought about doing like tattoo removal and things like that and i was like you know i looked into it and i thought about it and uh, we just went for it man and after we got licensed we just decided you know we start our own business you know and the great thing about arizona um uh, we were living in Florida prior to it, but the great thing about Arizona is not as regulated, so we could start our own like studio right off the back. All we do, all we need to do is just meet all the state regulations. And a lot, a lot of other places you need like an actual nurse or like a surgeon general to be on a, like be on base the whole time. But in Arizona, luckily you don't. So we decided, you know, this might be a great place to start the business. Mm-hmm. What's the worst tattoo that you've had to remove? It's like someone, someone was hammered and and got one of them. Yeah, dude, it's some it's some bad ones. So I don't want to say I don't want to say I want to say the guy's name, but one of my guys, right? He got uh, he got his wife's name on his butt, and him and his wife are going through like a, a like a you know a rough patch, like kind of like a divorce. So he's getting her name removed off, and it's just it's kind of it's just bad, man. Because every time he's like he's he's not scared to show me his butt at all. He just comes in like, "How's it looking, man?" And I'm just like, "Dude, like." Give me a second, like warm me before you flash me. You know what I mean? Like, let's at least like close the curtain. You know what I mean? But that's probably that's probably worse. But like, it's a lot of like names. Like, I know I got another girl. She her boyfriend's name on her neck. She's getting that removed too. So a lot of name tattoos, man. So if y'all listen to this podcast, do not get people's names on you. All right, <laughs> it's not a good idea. <laughs> no doubt, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, every day. Well, first of all, I want to say congrats on on everything you got going for you right now. Um, yeah, it, seem, it seems awesome. It seems like you guys are really enjoying it too. 
Yeah, it's fun, man. You know, we get to work on our own schedule. Um, our business is actually like inside of our house. Like we got like a um, like a like a three floor um, like a like building. So our business is actually in the base, like in the bottom floor of our house. So it's super cool. You know, we don't have to drive to work, and it's right on, on ASU campus too. It's called three five four here in Body Med Spa. So it's right on ASU campus. We get a lot of college kids. We give them discounts. It's, so it's cool. It's it's good to be back in the college atmosphere. You know, be around. That type of vibe, you know. Mm-hmm. And before I forget, tell everyone where you can find the social medias and website and everything uh, for that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, our, our social media is three five four hair and body med spa. So it's the same thing on um Instagram and Facebook. And my social media is Beck underscore the underscore body. So if you got any needs, if you need any tattoo removal, um, anything in that field, we definitely can help you out. Or if not, if we don't. If we can't do it, we can refer you to someone who can. Mm-hmm. And was it hard for you personally to find something that you're really passionate about outside of football? Because I know there's a lot of people, a lot mm-hmm. of athletes that, I mean, their playing days are done or, or whatever the case may be. And they, they're just like, oh, I'm a football player. I don't, I've never really like explored any other parts of, of life. Was that hard for you to find something that you really were truly passionate about? Um, no, I wouldn't say so. Just because um, I think, I think football was a, it was a, it, it still is a big part of my life, but not my whole life. You know what I mean? Like before I even played football, like I had like jobs, you know, I, I, I did things like as a kid to like make money, you know, I was really social. I had friends that weren't on a football team, you know, like that, that I got along with. So um, I, I don't think it was too hard for me. You know, the worst part was just like finding a way to like expend that energy, you know, like, mm-hmm. When you're in football, you're constantly at workouts, you're constantly in meetings, you got games, you're constantly anticipating something. Then when you when you're not, it's like, okay, what do I do with all this energy I got? You know, so that probably was a lot more harder than you know, finding something I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. And have you have you completely shut the door on on football, or are you open to to still playing, or what's that situation like? Dude, I would love to play football if I could get the, like get get the chance to do it. Um, I, last year, um, I signed a CFL contract, mm-hmm. and right before COVID happened, the CFL didn't have a season. And this upcoming season, I was supposed to go out there, but I ended up getting released because the team ended up changing coaches. I was supposed to go to the Edmonton, well, to the Eskimo, to Edmonton, and not the Eskimos no more. I was supposed to go to Edmonton, then, um, I think I think they had the coach from the Jaguars. He was supposed to go up there, then he resigned. But I was one of his guys, so I was supposed to come in with him. But after he left, they got a whole new coaching thing that I ended up getting released, like, last March. I think it was March, March, last March, I think. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm definitely – you know, I would love to play, man. I love to play football, man. It's a lot, it's a lot of fun, you know, it's a lot of fun. You get to meet a lot of people. Um, you build a lot of relationships. So, yeah, I would love to play if I could get another opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I believe the one you are talking about was Mark Tressman, if I'm – remember yeah I think so yep yep um I mean have you been looking at any other opportunities I know like the XFL is coming back in 2023 maybe um the XFL you got the CFL obviously like the arena league and the spring league I know is gaining some traction as well have you been looking at any of those possibilities or you just kind of sitting back and doing your own thing Uh, I'm kind of at this point I'm kind of sitting back and doing my own thing just because it's just so hard to like keep up keep your body up you know, with something that just might be, you know what I mean? It's hard when you got a family and, you know, your family's constantly on the ropes. Like, 
okay, I might be going away. I might be doing this. I might be living somewhere else, you know, opposed to being able to be stable and kind of like build your brand and build your business. Like the more and more I think about it, like, you know, I haven't played, like I've been out of college for like a few years now, but, and like, if, 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 if you take that time that you, you know, chasing your dream to actually put it into something else within six, seven years of like, like a business, you put seven years in your business by the eighth year, man, your business will be something by then, you know, it'd be much further along. You'll be, you know, probably open up another location by then, you know? So sometimes I think about that, but then again, it always come back to, well, you did that, you chased your dream because that's what you would love. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like a, it's kind of like, a, um, you know, love and hate kind of thing. But um, I, I think I, I'm happy where I'm at right now. You know, I need, I needed that to get to where I'm at right now, you know? Mm, yeah. And I think that, I think that a lot of guys, I don't know if this is true of you, but a lot of guys, they don't get the, they don't get those opportunities that they feel like they deserve. And then they have that kind of resentment instead yeah, yeah, yeah. of just transferring that energy like you talked about earlier and doing something else with your life. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see that a lot, you know, because a lot of people, a lot of players just in general, people too, but a lot of players feel like they, they feel entitled. You know, mm -hmm. they feel like, wow, I, I went to this school. I did this. My numbers are like this. I could run this fast, so I should be here. But, I mean, that's not always true. You know, it's not always about that. You know, sometimes it's about – you know, who you know, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of guys make careers off, okay, this is my coach back when I went here, I know his brother's cousin, and he gonna give me a shot, you know, it worked like that sometimes, sometimes, you know, just being the hardest worker or have, being talented is not everything, you know, sometimes you got to build relationships too, you know. Mm -hmm. And there's obviously, I mean, there's, like you talked about, there's a ton of things that go into it. Yeah. Uh, I think a, a lot of that, uh, like the guys that you mentioned, would be like guys that, I mean, you're going to be like one of the top guys on your high school team, probably one of the top guys on your college team. And you get to the league and you're a small fish in a big pond, yeah. as I say. So yeah. I think a lot of people have, have a hard time dealing with that. Yeah, definitely a culture shock, you know, it's from being, from being, you know, the best to being one of the best guys. Then when you get to the NFL level, when it's like, okay, this guy could do everything you could do. Plus, I got a better relationship with him. I'm going to take him, you know. You might be a little bit better than him, but I know him. You know what I mean? So sometimes it works like that. But, yeah, I, I see a lot of guys still have, like, a little resentment towards the game. Even from, like, not even college, dude, from, like, high school. Like, I know guys, like, still, like, the coach didn't like me, man. I would have been in the NFL. Like, guys like that still to this day, you know what I mean? So uh, it, it's, it's, it's just, you know, it's just like that with sports, man, you know. Those people crack me up. <laughs> oh, my God, it's so bad. Like, I, got, I got people I could talk to today who still reminisce about, like, being a man in high school and talk about, man, if the coach would have gave me one more carry that game, I would have had 1,000 yards. Like, dude, that was, like, 2007. Like, come on, man. <laughs> like, give it up. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think people that try to live back their glory days in high school and all that stuff. It's kind of sad, honestly, but it's also yeah. really funny. Yeah, a lot of those people, you know, sad to say, a lot of those people who, who live in the past like that, they really don't like their future or where their life heading at at that moment, you know? So they try to always live back in the past like, uh, damn, man, I was I was this, so I had this girl or this and that. They want to live in the past, you know, when their future not, you know, where they wanted to be, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the future is scary, though, honestly, for a yeah. lot of people. I mean, like – those I'm not saying this is those type of those people specifically but a lot of people like don't want to take those chances to 
to venture out and do something different. So then the future is like, I don't, I don't know what the hell is going to happen. I mean, for yeah. any of us, I mean, your life can change like that. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's the, you know, that's the number one cause of anxiety, not knowing, you know, the unknown, that's what causes anxiety. People not knowing people would rather, you know, be in a situation. It might not be the greatest situation, but they're comfortable. Mm-hmm. Opposed to going out there and taking a chance and being out of the element, you know, and that causes them anxiety. Rather just be comfortable, you know. I think we've seen. I mean, we've seen a ton of people come out and be vocal, especially especially athletes and and entertainers or celebrities or whatever the case may be, and like talk about anxiety and like the fears that they have and their depression and things like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's that's something that I don't know if we'll ever, we are we will ever be able to talk about enough, but I mean, it is, it is pretty, um, it's nice to know that people are at least talking about it, to have that platform and can speak on it. Yeah. It, um, I, I, man, it's, it's really like, like, it's, it's kind of like, it's almost sad. You know what I mean? Cause you got, when you're an athlete, it's like, you got to put on this persona, like, man, don't nothing bother me. Emotionless. I'm a silent killer. I play, football, basketball, and nothing bothers me, but you can't really talk about people about you being worried or doubts you having or just anything going on in your life because it, it, it kind of look, it, it, it looks like a weakness, mm-hmm. you know? And in the sports world, you know, we rah, rah, I'm the man, I can't, I can't show no weakness. So a lot of times when you're an athlete, you got to hold that stuff in and you can't, you can't project it, you can't get it out. You can't tell your girl you're nervous about this game on Saturday night. She's going to be like, oh, I want somebody who ain't. You know what I mean? You can't tell your parents that shit, your parents would be like, well, you need to get get ready. You know what I mean? They're not trying to hear that. You know what I mean? So it, it, it's really, it's it's kind of hard, man. Like it, it is hard for athletes, you know, especially like I can imagine with the, how much pressure the guys got going on nowadays when they could actually, you can make money, you know, like, like imagine playing with a guy like making a hundred thousand dollars that's on your team and you on the same team as him and you ain't making nothing. Mm-hmm. Like imagine that pressure, like man, that gotta be that gotta be tough, man. So, is that something that you had to deal with throughout your career? I mean, from high school to college to to the pro level at all? Um, not really. You know, like I I never I never really I never really like like looked into it too much because like when you when you pro, you know, everybody getting a different everybody getting paid on a different level. You know what I mean? But now I feel like now that they introduced it to the college. And that's where it could be kind of kind of sticky because there's just so many levels to it. You know, you got some people in college who are celebrities. You know, you got guys from college football that's, that's verified. You got high school kids that's coming in as recruits that are verified on social media already. Mm. You know, and that and like opposed to you got guys that might be on a high school team that you never, you know, you never heard of these people. You know what I mean? So it's definitely like a big gap in, you know, just 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 what people you know, could potentially get to, you know, with some people that probably won't ever, you know, earn half as much as they make, you know? But, I mean, I, I'm, I'm all for it, though. I like that they're paying these guys. They really should pay them, you know? I'm all for that. Well, first of all, my apology. I was asking about the, the anxiety aspect, but um, I'm glad you brought this up, actually. <laughs> uh, I mean, for you now, you're getting into kind of the entrepreneurship and, and building your own brands and things like that. How much do you think that the NIL would have helped you and like some of your other teammates around your um, around your years in college? Yeah, it would have helped a lot, man. Cause um a lot of like not thinking about like a lot of the guys like we didn't, we didn't have no money, you know, we didn't have no money. Uh, we had to scrape up, you know, a little bit of money to go out to have gas money. 
uh, to go. Like, we wanted to go to a party. We had to throw together $20 to have gas. You know what I mean? And a lot of guys did things for money that might have got them in trouble that they probably wouldn't have to do. You know, I knew guys who, like, who, who, like, sold drugs and things like that just to get by in college, you know, opposed to people coming up now, like, okay, well, if I don't got to take this risk to make money, you know, I'm getting it, I'm getting it 100% legally. I don't got nothing to worry about. I could put all my 100% focus in football and academics opposed to, well, I need to go do this to make money. You know, I don't got to worry about that aspect now because, you know, y'all covering that for me, you know. I got some money. Sometimes your mom might call you and say, you know, I need I need some money. You know, I knew guys like that. I knew guys that I played with where they, they, their family would call them, you know, like, um, bills, we need money. The bills are due. You got your Pell Grant check? You got your financial aid check? And they were sending their people money, you know. So I know, I know it's, it's just it got to be a good feeling not to have to do that no more, man, and just be able to. You know, just just worried about football or sports, your sports you ever play with, your academics, you know, financial problems, nothing you worried about. You know, you don't got, got to worry about that. 100 percent. That, that'd be a really tough position to be in. Um, yeah. And especially in, in college athletics, at like the high D1 level, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of kids that don't have a whole lot growing up and and they make it out of that those poor conditions that they're living in. And their families, their families counting on them to yeah. to provide for them and 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 give them some sort of hope, you know. Yeah, and that's where that's where anxiety comes from, the pressure. You know, you got you got your mom at home, and she like, man, Dwayne is the best thing since sliced bread. Telling all her friends, the whole community that you know what I mean. And you at school, and you like, well, damn, I can't let them down. I can't let my, my my coach down. I can't let my sister down. You know what I mean? And that's what anxiety sets in, where you feel that pressure, where you feel like, well, I've got to be, I've got to be great. I got to be good. I got to be accepted. I got to, my coach has got to love me, you know? And sometimes, sometimes it's just with everything at once, it's really hard for people to, people to, to juggle, you know, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you look at, I mean, all over the, in all walks of life, people are juggling all sorts of things. And then, I mean, for you guys, collegiate athletes, you guys are expected to perform on the field or the court, take care of your academics, and be in the public light at the same time. Yeah. Especially, yep. I mean, I don't know how much you deal, dealt with it with uh, social media when you were playing, but now, I mean, I feel like if if you're starting, if you're like, I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head, like Quinn Edwards, the kid that just transferred from Ohio State to Texas. I mean, he's getting ripped on all yeah. over, all up and down social media. I mean, that's something that you have to take into account too when you think of that whole anxiety and depression and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, it is tough, man. Because you really can't you really can't be yourself on social media because you actually, you know, you're basically like a, a celebrity in a small town, you know, and it's like. And it's like these kids, they're not taught how to, they're not media trained, like professionally media trained, you know, a lot of them become stars overnight. You know, if you have a great spring ball game and you're a high recruit, the next minute you, you the man now, you wouldn't even know, you know, you could be saying whatever you want on social media yesterday, but now you're saying, you know, a, a rap lyric with some curses in it and they like, okay, this guy's a maniac, you know what I mean? Like, just like that, man, so... It's really tough for these guys now. Before it, before it was kind of bad, but now, you know, it's a lot more spotlights, a lot more money getting exchanged. So it's a lot harder, you know, I, I would think now, you know, just especially with social media, man. It's tough, man. Yeah, and then even, like, 
you can make a sports center top 10 play and they yeah. put they put that instagram uh username in there and then you're yeah. like jordan mccabe he plays for west virginia he was like a social media superstar or whatever there's another kid i forget his name he has like real curly hair he, i think he plays for liberty he's yeah. got like two million followers or something crazy like that and like he barely plays on liberty for yeah basketball. life-changing <laughs> like like insane life-changing stuff and i mean it's crazy man and now it's like the spotlight on him he don't even get on the field like that you know so it's like okay where you go from there you know so you know he might not even he might not even be a great football player like a great player he might make some great plays and get it on you know top 10 and now you just got all that you know all that attention on you you know and you can get all that hype and it and it goes to your head and I mean, yeah. you see how that goes sometimes um mm-hmm. but yeah i've I really wish that you guys would have got that that NIL stuff. I mean, you could you could rattle off probably a hundred things that you could have done, especially at Purdue. Just like, oh yeah, Mad Mush, they're gonna they're gonna throw some change. Harry, all I mean, all all these different things that you guys could have got. Yeah, man. Like I was talking to my friend um, Eric Mebane. Me and him were really close. He played when I played there, and uh, we was talking about like imagine playing there now. Imagine getting. A sponsorship to Love Shack. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man, that'd be super. That'd be sick, man. Like, I, I really, I really, I really feel like, like, man, I'm, I'm excited for these guys to be able to really, really do something, you know? Because a lot of the guys, probably some of the guys make it pro, some of them won't. But even though, if, even if they don't, now that they got that platform, you know, where they could be, you know, social media famous, they would still be able to get work after football. You know, some guys would be. You know, they could be able to, they to host things. They'd be able to start their business. But as long as you got some type of social media presence, people, I think people will feel a lot more comfortable. Like, okay, let's get so-and-so in here. He could, he can host this event. You know what I mean? And like little things like that really go a long way because you never know. That might lead into public speaking. That might lead into, you know, you meeting, meeting your next business partner. So I'm, I'm glad that, you know, that's how, that's the direction it's going in. Yeah. And then they can also parlay that into like, starting a youtube channel a podcast i know tons of tons of athletes that are doing that now and like just creating content get your name out there and then i mean you you might make more more off that than you will playing football or basketball yeah for sure man for sure especially if you know you're just as passionate as you were with your with your sports you know put it podcast you know so yeah 100 percent um so i want to talk about when you when you first got to purdue uh, what was that transition like going from high school ball in, in New Jersey to, to Big Ten football? Yeah, um, I think the biggest difference, probably the maybe the size of the players, you know, it, we definitely went to get some some bigger guys. I wouldn't say for me, I didn't I never felt like the game was that much faster. Like, I didn't feel like it was moving faster. Like a lot of I hear a lot of people say that, but I definitely feel like like the athletes you're dealing with are much bigger. Like in high school, you might have like a a 200 pound running back and they say he a power back but then you go to play you know you playing at Purdue and you play in Wisconsin and you know you got John Clay and he's 240 pounds you know what I mean and like he's that's a power back you know running in front of a line where everyone's 320 pounds plus you know 315 and up you know so that probably the biggest transition just the size you know I always felt like I was um I was like physically prepared but after my first year I realized that I need to really really work on my explosiveness and my strength just so I can you know be able to take on these these big blocks you know and shed them and still make a tackle that was my that was probably the hardest thing for me transitioning you know high school is like no one's really blocking you just 
dip rip your shoulder, make a tackle, dip rip, you know, two gap a guy, get him up, you make a tackle. But in 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 uh Big Ten, you're not you're not gonna be you're not gonna be doing like that. Some guys can, but when I first came, I definitely couldn't do it like that at all. What was that like to go up against Wisconsin, who's like known for their their run game? I mean, Jesus, they're they're running back, they're running back you damn near. Yeah, they are, man. I mean, we played against some man. We played against John Clay. Next year we had Monty Ball. Then next year they had James White. The year the year John Clay played, I'm pretty sure all three of them had like the year John Clay was the man. I'm pretty sure all three of those guys had a thousand yards, and they were the backup. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it was tough playing against those guys, though, man. Like, I, I love to play against them. I love, you know, I was a linebacker, so I love playing against the run. But when they would run their, their power play, it would feel like a gate swinging, you know? And, like, if you got caught up in that gate, if you didn't miss the gate, you know, if you got caught up in that wash, you were not making that tackle. Like, you had to completely avoid the wash. Then after you avoid the wash, right there, it's a fullback coming at you. Then you got the running back right behind them. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it was tough, man. It was tough. Now, I mean, to answer this question might be Wisconsin. Who's who do you think was the toughest team that you played against in terms of like like get get into those tackles and, and game planning as far as the run game goes? Um uh, I remember so I, I remember we played against I, I remember playing against Michigan one year at home and they had no no, they were home. We played at Ann Arbor and they had um this one they had Denar Robinson and they had um they had two the running back. Mm-hmm. And the week before that, I think I think we played we either, I think we played Ohio State and they were running they were running Ohio State was running the ISO play right and every time they ran the ISO play I was knocking it out I was knocking the fullback out like meeting them like meeting them right in the hole knocking them right out and Michigan must have seen that and was like okay number three soon as he sees that linebacker comes I mean the fullback coming out he's meeting him right in the hole so what they did was they would have the fullback do like act like do like a dive motion but have the running back bounce it every time. And that was like, that was just throwing me off the whole game. Cause I'm just like, the ball is going where the fullback is going. Then the ball is going right in the middle, running back just bouncing it every time, dude. It was just killing me, though. It was killing me, man. It was really, it was really good scheming, though. It was really good scheming. Cause when I sat back and looked at it, I was like, man, they just game planning shit out of me. Like they just watched me and said, okay, we're gonna take him out of play just like this. And it worked. Mm-hmm. That's something that like the cat. I mean, not a casual fan, but, like, someone who just enjoys watching football, but they don't have, like, that knowledge. That's what we love to hear because I I never really played football, if I'm being quite honest. So, like, he, hearing those things and, like, getting that understanding, you're like, oh, okay, so that's why we we weren't able to stop Wisconsin or Michigan. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I yeah. feel like a lot of fans don't take the time to, like, look at that or, or listen to, to what actually is going on. Yeah, definitely, man. That was one of the keys that, um, you know, like as a linebacker, the coaches always kind of like instill into your head. And I always remember it. And it's, it's, and it's usually true to this day, you know, wherever, wherever the fullback is going, the ball is going to go. Like next time you watch a football game, watch it. Once you see that fullback, even if they line up like with the fullback, like right behind the tight end, watch where the fullback at and the ball usually goes right where he's going. He might come across, but the ball might come right back that way. And, and it's weird when you, once you start realizing like, oh, that's what they're doing, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then how fun was it to be alongside, I mean, tons of NFL talent like you, Quan, Short, Kerrigan, Joe Holland, who I had on the podcast recently, shout out, Mike Neal, Ricardo Allen. I mean, there's a there's a ton of talent on those defenses. How fun was it to be a part of the, 
uh, those defenses. Oh, it was great, man. It was great to be around those guys and just get a lot of knowledge and just to, you know, listen to, you know, listen to what they had to say and just the, you know, the camaraderie. That was, that, that's, that's, that's the best thing I got from just playing football, just the camaraderie I met, the relationships I, I built with people, you know, like, like I, I got, like, I remember being out there like Joe Holland and Ricardo, like, 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 like vividly remember talking to them, like, okay, like, calling out like bear strike like you know call like calling out plays and everything dude so it, it was amazing man like i like i talked to all those guys still to this day you know i talked to ricardo um i talked to um josh johnson uh mike rouse all, all those dudes man and like yeah you can see like you know we i think we all still you know pretty tight like i seen um john finch our, um our long snapper like i talked to him all the time um ball i talked to ballinger um, and I see them in pictures, you know, I always see um, Joe Holland, Kerrigan, Mondek hanging out, like Danny Durkin, like, and I, I love to see it, you know, like those, those guys are like family, man. Like I really, I really enjoy playing with them. That was the best thing I got from Purdue. Mm. A lot of those guys around that time frame seem like they're really close. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's like specific to that, to your guys' time frame, but it just feels like those guys are a lot closer than, than other, than other areas were, I guess. Yeah, I would say so. Um, I think coming like the way the way those guys came in, like all of those guys, they came in before Coach Hope came in. Mm -hmm. So they kind of had that bond with Coach, like a, as Coach Tiller's class, like his last, like some of his last classes. Then kind of when Coach Hope recruits came in, then it kind we kind of meshed with them. You know what I mean? But I I definitely think the the bond is really really close, like. You know, like we all still like connected on social media. Like I see, you know, they have you know, weddings, baby pictures. Of, you know, we all you see us under each other comments. Like it's, it's it's dope, man. It's like a fraternity almost, man. It's dope. I've never heard someone refer to us as as a fraternity. I mean, that's that's a pretty good analogy, though, especially with Purdue. I feel like I was recently talking to Derek Schultz about this. I mean, he was like, I mean, typically Purdue fans are people that went to Purdue yeah. and I feel like it's just like there's not that that national like casual fan that is a Purdue fan. you know what I'm trying to say yeah I agree like you would never just see like someone just per, with a Purdue like like pullover please like if they have a Purdue something they probably went to Purdue like you'll see guys with Duke gear Kentucky Alabama Ohio State and they just could be from anywhere but if you see somebody with like some Boilermaker gear, like they probably went to Purdue or maybe had uh, someone who went to Purdue that's close to them, you know? And I, I think, but I, I think that's cool because I think it makes it, makes it you know, um, a lot more like, what is it? Um, you know, organic, like real, you know what I mean? Like if you like Purdue, if you're a Purdue fan, you really probably a Purdue fan. Like you probably know something, you probably seen something that made you like, wow, I like these guys, you know what I mean? Opposed to like, People just like Ohio State, you know, just like, well, I'm from Cleveland. So, you know, like if you're from Indianapolis, like you might not not like Purdue at all. You know what I mean? But if you're probably in Ohio, you're from Akron, you're from Cleveland, you're like, well, Ohio State's my team. Mm -hmm. You know? One of my friends, I'm a, or his name's Anthony Nail. Shout out to him. But he he's an Ohio State fan, and he was, he was chirping me when we lost to them uh, this year. And I was like, name three people on Ohio State. Yeah, exactly. He couldn't, he couldn't name one. I swear <laughs> to you, he couldn't name one. 
And I was like, shut up, bro. Get out of my face. Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. Yeah. People just fall in love with the name, dude. It's okay, though. We got them next year. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh, I actually talked about, I talked with Joe about this too recently. Uh, how hard was it for you guys just knowing all the talent you guys had and, and the potential and not really able to to translate that into consistent success? Yeah. Um, it was very frustrating, man, because, um, you know, I felt like we had we had good talent. Like, I always felt like Purdue always had, like, like middle to upper talent in the Big Ten. Like, mm-hmm. I think, like, Ohio State going to probably get the best guys. Michigan would probably get, you know, some good guys. Then you got, like, you know, the rest of us. And I think Purdue kind of fit, like, right there, like, maybe, like, right after Wisconsin. You know what I mean? And I feel like we should have been at least, like, third or fourth. You know, I think we get similar talent to, like, Michigan State. You know, so I, I think we should have been, you know, like, at least, like, three or four in, in the Big Ten. It was just uh, just frustrating that, you know, we could never really, really put it together where we could get, like, a nine-win season or, you know, mess around and get ten wins. We were always, we were always drop a game that we shouldn't drop at all then win a game that we shouldn't win. You know, like, I think the same year we beat Ohio State at home, I think we might have lost to, like, like Northern Illinois or Northwestern at home that same year. You know what I mean? So that that was really frustrating part. Because we know we could do it. Like, why we could go out here and play with, you know, and at the time when we beat Ohio State, they might have been, like, number one or, like, seven. They might have been, like, seven in the country. They were really good that year. They had Terrell Pryor. They were really good that year. You know, after they lost, I think LeBron called Terrell Pryor, like, yeah, we got you. We got you with that one, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was really frustrating, man. Cause we knew we, were, we knew we were good enough, you know. Just little things, you know, little things, attention to details, you know, like a, a muff punt of special teams or a fumble snap, you know, just changed the game. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then the parity in college football, especially this year, or college sports in general. I mean, yeah. you see how many teams are losing um, in college basketball this year. Yeah, I mean, there's four. Yeah. Four different number one teams in four weeks. Yeah. And obviously Purdue is one of those and fell the Rutgers, um, which sucked. But, um, yeah, I mean, parity in college football is getting getting up there because this year we didn't have – I mean, you had Georgia and and Bama. And then you had had Michigan kind of rise up and overtake Ohio State. And then you had – who's the fourth team? Cincinnati. I don't know. After that, it was kind of like they're all bunched up together. Yeah, yeah, it could definitely, it could definitely be anyone. This year, I, I feel like that last year with with COVID kind of shook up college football a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, like some guys who who weren't really like teams that are not supposed to be that good kind of snuck in, and some teams kind of like you know fell fell a little bit. But like even with like you know Alabama gonna get some stuff every year Georgia should get some studs every year so those those like some mainstays but I was really surprised that Michigan beat Ohio State I don't think Michigan would have beat Ohio State if it was just it was just like a normal field I think the field like the snow really really benefited Michigan you know with their play style you know they want to run the ball and I think that really really benefited them in that game Mm -hmm. like on another day I don't think they I don't think they could do it again I don't think they could beat Ohio State again yeah I was favoring Ohio State heavy in that game um, yeah. I do like to see John Harbaugh have a little bit of success though, for how much hate he gets. And I mean, he seems like a good dude. I don't have any. Yeah, I, I like him, man. I like Harbaugh. You know, Same. I like him. He really seemed like a player's coach. Um, you know, he's like, and, and he always does something like, like really, really like good for the community. 
you know, the school and stuff like that. Like, I think, um, I think he did, I think he used his, uh, his check to like pay, pay mm-hmm. like some of the people at Michigan who weren't getting like full wages because of COVID. So he always does something dope. So I, I really, I really like Harbaugh a lot. Mm-hmm. And I mean, from your time in the Big Ten, what was your favorite opposing stadium to go play in? Like that was either like the rowdiest or you guys had the most success or whatever the case may be. Um, Man, that's tough, man. I, I like I love playing. I like I love playing home, but I, I I did definitely like playing on the road. Um, I think I think one of my favorite games where we played, we lost this game, but we went up to Happy Valley, right? And this is right after that Sandusky scandal, mm-hmm. all that stuff was going on. So we like, oh my god, dude, like it's 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 gonna be hot up there. And we got there, man, and the fans were louder than ever. Like they were locked in, dude. It was it, the fans were talking to us. They were like, um. I think they scored a touchdown. They were like, how, how, how's your ass feel? Like, screaming down and us, chirping at us, man. I'm like, yeah, man, we got to pay up and get out of here, man. It's hostile. So, I think Happy Valley, Happy Valley was really, really fun. Um, Ann Arbor, I love playing there. Um, um, I remember one year we played there, and the guy came down with a jetpack to deliver the game ball. So, that was really, really cool. That was really, that was really dope, but. Yeah, I mean, away games are always fun, man. We get to travel, you know, get to travel with your family, you know, going to business trip with your family. So it was always, you know, a good experience. Mm-hmm. A lot of people always say, like, oh, SEC football is just different and, and everything like that. I mean, obviously, football in the, in the South is huge. But, I mean, there's there's something special about those, those Big Ten environments that not a lot of people really realize. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like Big Ten is, like, is, is, is more close to, like, NFL, like, pro-style football. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the guys that's going to the Big Ten, like, coming from the Big Ten NFL, those guys are playing. You know, those guys are already – a lot of those guys are already NFL already. Like, Kerrigan came out, and Kerrigan's played, what, like, 99% of the stat snaps for the Redskins for, the, like, the next, what, like, eight, seven, you know, <laughs> nine years. Like, that dude was the NFL player two years ago because he was already built for it. You know, he already played against Iowa. He already played against – you know, people lined up in pro-style offensive, you know, the whole game. So the, the Big Ten's got a whole different vibe, man. I, I really think it's like NFL pro football. You know, a lot of SEC guys come out of there, you know, the guys are spreading it out a lot more. You know, in the Big Ten, you're going to get some eye form, some strong eyes. You're going to get some double tight end sets. Um, you're going to get some, some you're going to get some, some real funky sets, man. And just the atmosphere out there, you know? It's like, it's nothing like being, you know, in 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 Iowa in the middle of October, you know, where, where it's just a brisk wind, you know, 50 degrees, like it's is dope, man. It's just football weather, man. It's just it's beautiful, man. Mm. Talking about another another guy that's probably going to the league. I mean, at this point, he's probably going to be a top ten pick. Is George Karlaftis? Um, I mean, what what did you what did you take away from his kind of career at Purdue, and how do you think he'll fare at the next level? Uh, I, th- I think he'd be really good because he already got that NFL type body. You know, he looks, he looks, he's really developed. You know, some guys, they have like good size, they'd be tall, but they won't really have that thickness to them, you know, where they could take on blocks and, and handle, handle it down for down. You know, a lot of guys, they're not, they'd be strong, but they're not in good physical strength where they can't last the whole season in the NFL. You know, I think, I think he'd be good because he got, he got a lot of muscle and, he, he's not he's not really like a speed guy. He's like a really solid defense end, you know? Like, he has moves. He, he can get past them. He can play the run. So, I think he, – he, 
I hate to say it, he, he reminds me of Kerrigan. You know what I mean? <laughs> just with just with the moves he does. You know, Kerrigan used to have the the best rip move I ever seen, dude. And it was just so consistent. Kerrigan would come down and just rip up. And every time you see he he got that arm up, he's getting sacked. Like if he get it past you, and he just dipping it and ripping it so hard, dude. And like like man, dude, it was it was it was beautiful. Like Kerrigan knew that move, and I, I see him do it kind of too. I see him you know, chop, rip, and bend in the corner. And, like, when I see him, I'm like, he kind of reminds me of Kerrigan. Mm. I think he can move – I think he can move around on the line, too. You can put yeah. him inside in some sets and obviously just let him go after the go after the passer and, and others. Um, I mean, did you what, – what was it like to be with um, – I mean, two guys that were some of my favorites were Kwan Short and Ricardo Allen. What was it like to, to play with those guys as well? Uh, it was fun, man. You know, Kawan was a great dude, man. When I first met KK, uh, I was just like, yo, how old is this dude, man? He was like, man, he's, he's, he's just a year older than you. I'm like, really? Like, oh, my God. Like, we were in the same class, you know, like 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 initially when I first came. So I was like, wow, man. Like, KK was 300 pounds, but he could dunk a basketball. <laughs> like, off the vertical, dude. Like, shoot threes. I'm like, yo, who is this guy, man? And it's like, it, it was like, for him, he make it look so easy. It's like he wasn't even trying. You know, so once he finally, like, when we was at Purdue and, like, I watched him grow and get stronger and really, really go in the weight room and start going in, I, I seen it before my eyes. I'm like, this dude, first round pick. Like, this dude going to NFL. You know, like, like great, like, great player, man. And, it, and he does it easy, you know? Like, KK can play anywhere, you know, anywhere he going to in the country, you know, without even, like, lifting a weight. You know, some guys just like that, man. Like, like he was just, he was just like that. And when it comes to Ricardo, Ricardo, I I seen Ricardo like on days where like like I would go like it'd be it'd be Friday night, you know, we would all go out on Friday night, you know, do our thing, go out, go to parties. Saturday morning, Ricardo, like, yo, yeah, I wanna go catch some passes, do some drills. We all like, nah, Ricardo was there every Saturday. He was doing it. He was there. Like that's one person I seen, like that hard work, like constantly, constantly working on your craft, constantly doing your drills, your footwork drills, catching balls. Like I seen, I seen him do this like consistently. No one telling, no one had to tell Ricardo to go work out or do this. Ricardo did all that on his own. And he, he would ask you, constantly ask you, yo, you want to get some work in? You want to get some work in? Uh, yeah, I come maybe. Nah, yeah, okay. He was going regardless whoever was going with him or any of that. So yeah, man, Ricardo was a great guy, man. He he came in as a true freshman, and and initially when he came in, he was like a maybe like a one A, like a two, about mm-hmm. like going into playing Notre Dame so like that's that's you know what I mean like think about that dude he came out of high school a few months later came to camp in August started against Notre Dame the end of the month true freshman he's a dog animal dude animal man I, I love Ricardo man he that's one of the most like powerful pound for pound people I've ever seen but he's not he's not a huge dude like Ricardo's like maybe about 5'10", maybe 195, 185, but powerful, like, like power clean, like a ton of weight, like powerful, dude. Never seen him back down, like, like, I, it was one play, it was one play I, I could remember uh, at Notre Dame. Sorry for rambling, man, but. Oh, you're is, good. You're good. Keep going. <laughs> okay, yeah, so, so it was one play at Notre Dame, right, and I was a sophomore, he was a freshman, and I wasn't in the nickel package. They took me out the nickel package. So it was the third down, and they he was the nickel back. So they put him in. I'm like, 
I'm like, I'm like, sheesh, man. I don't want to play on third downs, man. I could definitely get help. Uh, I think it was Kyle Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph ran like an out route and came up and he met Ricardo met him right at the line of like right at the line of scrimmage and and nailed him right in his knees. I was like, that's why. <laughs> that's why, man. I, I don't know. If, I don't know. I don't know if I can do it like that. Like that's exactly why. Mm, and he's the dog, man. He's been playing safety in the league. I think he's with the Bengals now. But he was yeah. really good with the Falcons. He had a couple, like, Pro Bowl-type years. And then he has dealt with some injuries, uh, which yeah. kind of just comes with his size and the way he plays and everything like that. But, yeah, I mean, he's a dog. Yeah, animal, dude. That dude, that dude. that dude is an animal, man. And now, and now he's just such a like, – like, with people like that, like, whatever they put their hands on, you know, it'll turn to gold just because – they're, they, they're constantly, constantly putting the work in, you know? Like, like Ricardo posts, like, now he posts, like, a lot of shit about, like, stocks, um, crypto constantly, you know, and the money he's making off of that. And I'm like, man, whatever Ricardo really want to do, if he want to do it, he can. You know, I, I believe it. You know, I believe it. Mm-hmm. I think he does a lot of work with his, with his wife for charity. I'd have to go back and look and see. Yeah, yeah I think they do. Specifically sure. what it is, but. I mean, yeah, and all, he's he's an all around great dude. Yeah, man. I like. Um, I know we're getting close on time. Before I let you go, um, obviously, you self admittedly you've been through some things at Purdue, um, so I want to talk a little bit about that. Was was your time at Purdue kind of bittersweet, um, just because of how things ended? Um, I would say I would I wouldn't say that. Um. I think I think it was a good experience overall. You know, everything that happened at Purdue, even like my legal trouble, even my stuff like getting in trouble with the team, it was it was self-inflicted. You know, like the team, like man, Purdue showed me so much love. Like now that I look back at it, I'm like, man, it was you. You know, you were doing wrong. You know, you weren't doing the right thing, man. Like you weren't taking responsibility for yourself. You know, I would get in trouble, and I would still play. You know, like they like they like they really I, I, they really embraced me. You know? They would say, "Okay, Dwayne, you can't keep doing this. We got to do this. You got to do better." And give me chance after chance after chance after chance. Till at one point, you know, you got to you got to look at how it looks on the outside. Like, okay, well, Dwayne gets in trouble. You know, got in trouble four or five different times, and you still got him on the team. But then you look at somebody else who might have not have played or might have been, you know, a, a smaller piece to the puzzle, and they get rid of them. You know, so it really looks bad. And I had to look at it like that. Like, man, it's really your fault, you know. And from there, I had to just, you know, just just, just man up, you know. That's one of my – that's one thing um, I would say I, I, I definitely got from there. I definitely made me grow up, you know. Because if I would have – like, if I would have if I would have been able to go straight from Purdue doing the things I was doing and, you know, my actions and went to the to the NFL and just being the same person with, with that type of money, you know, it wouldn't have – it wouldn't have ended. It wouldn't have ended well, you know. I would have been in. Uh, I think I would have probably end up in a bad, a bad position because I wasn't. I wasn't mature enough, mm-hmm. you know. I, I would definitely. I definitely was was immature, you know. When I first came to Purdue, I was seventeen. You know, I was young, I was a little bit younger than everybody, but I hung out with a lot of the older guys. So me being who I am, I'm like, well, I could do what they do. This is what I've been doing. I've been doing this type of stuff at Purdue. We've been going out. We've been drinking. We've been, you know, partying. We've been doing this. You know what I mean? And it's like. Okay, it's time. It was time for me to realize, like, okay, you're not an Irvington no more. You know what I mean? You're a Big Ten athlete. You know what I mean? You gotta take responsibility what you're doing if you want to get to where you want to be. And I definitely, I definitely didn't do that. I was, I was, I was like, well, I'm gonna do what I want to do because I can do it. 
you know? And a lot of that comes with, I think just, you know, the immaturity came with just a lot of, a little bit of anxiety too, you know? Cause sometimes I felt like I had to make it for my family, you know? Mm-hmm. But then, but then I had, I had a little bit of resentment because my family lived in New Jersey and they couldn't always come out to my gang. They couldn't always give me money and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So I, I felt some sort of resentment to the point where it was just like, well, I'm gonna do what I wanna do. Nobody don't care what I'm doing. Nobody not here for me. You know what I mean? And with that mindset, it, it, it put me in a bad place where it was just like, ah, I'm gonna do whatever I wanna do. You know? Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say it's bittersweet. I think um, I learned a really, I learned some really, really good lessons from that. And, you know, not to mention the people I met, but just for myself personally, you know, I definitely learned, learned a lot, you know, definitely helped me today. And what, I mean, when you were in the midst of, of getting in trouble and things like that, I mean, what was going through your head? And then what, what was that moment where you were like, all right, this is, this is done. We're, we're making a complete 180. Yeah. Um, so at the time when it's, when, when it's happening, you know, I'm not really, I'm not really thinking about the consequences. You know, I'm just thinking about, okay, I just got to get out of this next jam so I can get to, I can get to this game next week. You know, as long as I play good against, you know, Illinois this week, everything will be forgiven, you know? So, so it it was a week where like, I think I had like a, what did I have? I think I had like a, maybe like a driving while suspended, but I missed my court date. And they served the warrant and came arresting me at practice, like on Friday. Mm-hmm. So I, I, got, I got bailed out of jail that Friday night, went to the game on Saturday. I didn't start, but still finished the game with like, like nine tackles and a tackle for loss. You know what I mean? So it's just like, it's just like everything was my focus. Like, well, I said, I play good, I got to play good, I play good. Don't worry about everything else. Everything could be all right. But at the same time, it's like, now nah, you got to take care of your business, man. Like if you get a ticket, you got to pay your ticket. If you're supposed to be in a court day, you got to come to your court day because they will, you know, they're going, they're not going, they're not going to just let you do whatever you want to do. And even with that being said, I, I feel like they were being real linear with me because I was an athlete. You know, they weren't just like like they could they could they could take you to jail and not not be cool with you. You know what I mean? Like they would take you to jail and just okay, we got to arrest you, but we're gonna let you right out. You know, we're gonna we're gonna let you on your own recognizance. You know, without a bond. You know, and that and that would happen, and I would take that like yeah. I'm the man, you know what I mean? Opposed to being like, okay, they give me a chance. I need to do the right thing, you know? So it's just a lot of immature, at least a lot of immaturity, you know? But um, I think the one thing that made me try, um, made me do a, a complete 180 is when I finally got, got, you know, released from the team. You know, like after everything I, I done been through, you know, I'm like, okay, I just need to get out of this, get, get out of trouble this one more time and, I, and I'll change it. And I thought I thought I was going to be able to, you know, but then I, I went to Coach, Coach Hope's office and we spoke to him and I was like, well, is there any chance I get back on the team? He's like, no, you're done. And after that, you know, I felt I felt this small, you know what I mean? Because this is like, wow, I thought I thought I was untouchable up to this point, you know, and he told me I was done. I was like, well, I felt like I felt my world crashing down. So it's like, well, how am I, what I'm going to do now? You know, how like, do I, can I transfer? Should I transfer? Should I just try to declare for the draft like what should I do so that's when I definitely felt the you know I, I definitely felt the weight of everything I was doing just kind of crashed down on me and I knew I had to you know change who I was mm-hmm. how many I remember reading I think it's Greg Doyle's story um, about you getting arrested at, at practice at Marion 
Um, how many times did you get arrested at practice? Because, I mean, you said you had a – I think that was the first time was at Purdue. Yeah. The second time was at Marion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so at Marion, I think I've, I, I didn't show up for a court date. And, no, I had to pay a fine. I didn't pay my fine. And they came to arrest me. But it was from – the city of Lafayette. So it's like, <laughs> like I moved to Marion trying to move away, but they pulled me for like, a, I think it was a, I'm not sure. I think it was a fine or something. I didn't pay, I didn't pay something. And they came and arrest me at Marion. And this is like, this is like, this is maybe three years later because I got released from Purdue in 2012, I think. And I ended up, it took me, it took me a while to get my transcripts because I had to pay, I had to pay out of pocket my mm -hmm. transcripts from Purdue. They wouldn't release my transcripts. So it took me about like maybe like a year and a half. I had to pay like like a year like like uh, like tuition to get my transcript out. Yeah. And I mean, what 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 were your teammates doing around that time? To I mean, were they, were they like sitting you down and talking to you like Dwayne, we need to fix this, or or I don't want to say enabling you, but um, like what what was what was your teammates' reactions, especially at Purdue? Um, you know, sometimes that like they were kind of like you know, give me like, talk to me a little bit, but I felt like because who I was, you know, it's kind of hard to talk to, you know, somebody like me, you know what I mean? Or like, tell me what, what I should do and what, what I shouldn't do, you know? Cause you know, I feel like they probably felt like at the end of the day, Dwayne gonna do what he want to do, you know? And I, I told them that, you know, I would tell my, I would tell my friends that like, it'd be nice where I'd be like, they'd say, I, like I would be driving and they'd be like, yo, slow down. I'd be like, nah, I'm gonna do what I want to do. You know, I would tell them that. You know, <laughs> like literally, like, nah, dog, I'm gonna do, I would do it how I want to do it. You know what I mean? So, uh, like, they would talk to me, but the way I was, man, I'm, I'm very stubborn. You know, and you know, I would be the same way with my friends. You know, like I would tell my friends, like, okay, dog, like you gotta chill, you can't do that. But at a certain point, I'm, I'm not gonna keep sitting you down and telling you this and that. Like, I'm gonna let you, you gotta do your thing, you gotta learn for yourself. You know. And I think that kind of happened, you know, like people tell me, like, oh, yeah, you got to do this, you got to do this. And I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. I'm going I'm to do it like this, like, you know, whatever I want to do, mm -hmm. you know. And I don't, I don't want to keep asking about this, like, super long. No, time, no right? I actually, I actually do. I, I, I like this. I need to get this off my chest, man. This is good. <laughs> a, little, a little therapy session here. You uh, do this on every Saturday, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, what were some things that really helped you? I mean, after you kind of went through that time of, like, I feel like it would be similar to shock. Like you get dismissed from the team and, and your whole world's crashing down. What were some of the things that really helped you, I mean, move past that and, and get things going again? Oh, my family. You know, my family, my friends. You know, I never, I never really realized, like, how important it is to be around your friends and your family. You know, when I, when I started getting in trouble, I started being really isolated. You know, my friends would be like, yo, yo, you want to come hang out? I'm like, nah, I'm going to go to my room and do this, do whatever, you know, do what I want to do. You know, I was, I was really isolated. Um, I didn't really hang with or hang around a team too much. You know, I was kind of by myself. Then then I got, um, leading up to me getting kicked off the team, I, I got, I, I had to move off campus. I couldn't stay on campus for a while. So I was really isolated. You know, I was really away from everybody else. I, um, I had to go to like online school, you know, to, for that semester. So um, I think what really helped me was being around my family. You know, my mom helped me a lot. My dad helped me a lot, you know, just being around them. And I, I never, I never realized this, you know, like I was in a, I was in a miserable place, you know, like at, at some points at Purdue, just 
every week is just kind of mundane. You go to practice, playing a game, go to practice, playing a game. You know, you're not seeing your family, you're not seeing your loved ones. It's kind of, it's kind of just like, it's kind of like depression, depressing, you know? Mm. And like, then, 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 then after everything kind of crashed down, um, my, my mom came out to Indiana, stayed with me for a while. So that helped me a lot. Just being around, you know, being around my family, talking to them and just having, you know, having somebody there for you, you know, like it'd be nights where we like, we would lose games and I'll be crying tears, but it's like, who can I cry in front of, you know, who can I? Who can I? Who can I? Who can I give this to? You know, who can I give this energy to? You know, I can't. I, I can't cry in front of my teammates. You know, I can't have them see me crying. You know, I can't. I can call my mom over the phone, but she's not physically here with me. You know, so I think a lot of that would be would be it, it would have just been a lot better if if I could have had like a little bit more family just around me. You know, doing doing everything was happening. And do you think that that's why? I mean, it seems like you were going through some things just personally in your in your own head I mean whatever the case may be the the depressive states or whatever do you think that's why you kind of just went I mean just went wild uh <laughs> off the field and and uh, had a good time it sounds like yeah yeah Sometimes. yeah I, I think I, I think it has something to do with that you know some of it was just like immaturity you know definitely a lot a lot of it was immaturity I would say that but at some point you know I was being impulsive because I was like man, you know, F it, man, like, nobody worried, you know, nobody care, you know, nobody come to see me, nobody care, you know, like, like, it's, like, it's, it's, it's a, like, like, it, it hurts your feelings a little bit to go, like, to be at the game, and you see everybody else with their family, you know, good game, everybody hugging, you, you know, your, your family take you out to eat before the game, and you won't, and you don't see your family, you know, and I wasn't mature enough to understand, like, like your family lived 13 hours away. Like they might not be able to make it to every game. Like that's okay. Like call your mom. It's all right. You know what I mean? But I was just like, nah, man, like nobody care about me. Like, you know, like, like getting in my own head about it to the point where it would upset me opposed to like being, being, being mature and being like, just call your mom, call your family, talk to your friends, you know, open up, you know, holding all that stuff in definitely affect affected you know how, how I acted you know yeah I think that has a lot to do with people kind of falling under that victim mindset I mean I'm I'm guilty of it as well. I feel like a lot of people are and they it take it takes a while to to snap out of that and and realize the mistakes in your in your thinking or or whatever the case may be um yeah when when you see guys get in trouble now um I mean whether it be at Purdue or, or somewhere else I mean, what what do you think about? Uh, I just think about um, a lot of times, you know, guys are coming from you know different situations, you know, like like in in, in when I when I, I came up in Irvington, New Jersey, so like for us to be like drinking and like smoking weed, like in like sophomore, a junior in high school, like that's not taboo, you know. But then you go to a place like like Indiana we're like smoking weed to get you put in jail for five years. You know what I mean? So it's like a culture shock. You know what I mean? Like us, like me drinking at like 16 and 17 was, was just like, okay. But in Indiana, you walking around drinking, you're going to get a PI. They're going to put you in jail, you know? So just a big, just, 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 I think those guys are just, you know, they coming from a different place and kind of think like some of the things that they've been doing or how they've been acting is acceptable where they at, where, 
you know, it's a whole different culture where you at now, you know? Like that's that's kind of like frowned upon what you're doing, you know what I mean? And a lot of and a lot of things, a lot of other things too, you know, it could be money related, like we talked about earlier, you know. Sometimes these guys just want 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 things, you know, want items, you know. Guys go places and steal things just because they want it, because they don't got the funds to get it. You know, you might go and 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 walk out on a tab because you don't got the money, opposed to now where you might say, okay, well, I got the money for it. I'll pay and leave a tip. You know, like. I remember days when, like, yo, like, we were, like, scraping up money together. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I got 20 for this. I'll pay for this today. I'll buy the ground beef. You buy the spaghetti. You know what I mean? Like, and collaborating on meals. You know what I mean? So I, I think that's a lot of times that's what it is, just immaturity and not knowing, you know, how you, should, how you should act socially, you know, where you're at, and also just, you know, not having the funds, not having money. Mm. And I mean, if if you were able to talk to to a guy that's a freshman and and he gets a I mean, he gets arrested or whatever the case may be. I mean, what would be your advice to them? Um, Just um, kind of kind of just, you know, take this opportunity that they gave you to turn it around. You know, like your story doesn't end right here. You know, this could be you could change it. You could write your story however you want to write it. It's just all in your hands, you know. No, no one's making you do anything. You don't have to do anything. Everything you're doing because you want to do it. You know, no one made no one made me go to Purdue. I chose to go to Purdue. No, no one made me play football. No one made me act the way I acted on the field. No one made you know what I mean. It's all your choice. So just let people know that the ball is in your court. You know, if you if 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 you take responsibility for your actions and everything you're doing, you know, you can you can forever live with that. But if you're not and you and you just always as somebody else and blaming people. You're not going to be able to do it. So, you know, just take responsibility, you know, for your actions and just, you know, be do what you got to do, man. It's easy now, dude. You know, just go to class and play football, man. Like, <laughs> this is great, right? <laughs> uh, well, hey, man, I think that's that's a perfect thing to end on. Uh, I I really appreciate you coming on and, and being honest and willing to talk about this um, with me. So thank you very much. And I'm glad we are able to do this. I've been a fan of yours for a long time, like I said. And, um, I wish I wish you and, and your girl nothing but the best um, with everything that you guys got going on in the future. Thank you, man. I appreciate that, boy. Um, and I want to thank you, man, for having me on, man. Um, I see I see your show, man. It's dope. I've seen a few of the podcasts. I've seen Joe Holland. I've seen um, one of the Anthropes, man. It's dope, badass, badass content, man. Keep it up. And um, before I get off, I want to shout out to my Boilermakers, man. I love you guys. Um, thank you guys for always being there for me. You guys were amazing. Um, Purdue, all my people, my girl. Thank you guys for always being there, man. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you, man. Yes, sir. Hey, Merry Christmas if I don't talk to you till then. Yep, Merry Christmas. <laughs>